Today's scripture comes from the book of Romans 15, verses 8 through 21. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, and him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience, by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the word of the Lord. Let's get into today's message. And um, we're in part four of our vision refresh at the beginning of the year we like to refresh what it is that Revive Church stands for, and we preach through our values. Um, I was going to stop this week and just do four parts, and then because I'm kind of eager to get back to our previous series on union with Christ, but I, I thought, no, let's do one more. I was looking at our schedule. I think we can do one more. So we'll do one more in this series on, on our values next week. But today's value that we're going to talk about is uh, reaching the nations. It's one of our values, right? We're a very explicitly, intentionally cross-cultural church. And that's not just something that we're like, hey, you know, that seems like a really nice idea to be multi-ethnic. To be a church of different ethnicities and races and people from all around the world. That just seems kind of like a cool idea. It kind of fits a certain American ideal, right? Well, you know, all that's not really nice, but that's not why we're doing it. We're not doing it that way because it's cool. We do it this way because this is God's vision. This is what God seeks through his kingdom. And we want to share about that today. All right. So part one, the multi-ethnic vision of God's messianic kingdom. The multi-ethnic vision of God's messianic kingdom. That's part one. Part two, seek and see the kingdom with eyes of faith. I'm just going to say a little something about this. Most of us, we go into the world, we use our eyes of sight. 
We, we look at the world through what we know and what we think. We don't look at it through the way God sees it. We don't, we're not generally looking for the kingdom of God, but you should be. Jesus commands us to seek first his kingdom. And how are you going to do that unless you see it? And if you're going to see it, I'm challenging you today. Today is a great day to think about that. Seek and see the kingdom with your eyes of faith. Okay, that's part two. And part three, gospel-powered endurance and hope for Christ's kingdom come. All right? Gospel-powered endurance and hope for the kingdom of God come. All right? Let's go part one. I want to take you into today's passage. I, I, I was kind of wondering how you're reacting as, that, as this passage is being read. It's one of those passages that when I was like about 16 or 25, if I read it myself or if somebody else read it, I would have just, uh, uh, like two verses in, my eyes would have started glazing over. Well, yeah, praise God, his Gentiles, this and that. And then I would have gotten bored right away. It's actually unbelievable what the passage is talking about. And um, I want to help you try to see that the passage, let me see if I, if I could just try to put this in really simple terms. The passage is saying God is interested in multi-ethnicity. God is not just interested in multi-ethnicity. This is the plan. This is what he wants. This is the goal. This is where the gospel goes. That's what he's saying. And so let me show it to you. Let's go to uh, Romans 15, verse Verse uh, 9, we'll go, through the, we'll go through where he quotes. All these are quotes out of the Old Testament, okay? Verse 9, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles to sing, to, and sing to your name, and sing to your name. It goes on, and again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and all the peoples extol him. Let all the peoples, all the peoples mean all those people, <laughs> All those other ethnic people. That's what it means, all the peoples. It doesn't just mean all the peoples that I'm used to being around. It means all those peoples out there that we don't usually have anything to do with. In fact, we often don't even like. That's what it means. Verse 12. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. So, let me just break this down for you. You know who the root of Jesse is? That's, so there's a root of Jesse. Jesse is the father of David. David is the, is the quintessential king of Israel. And it is the son of David who will be the ultimate king that will fulfill all the promises of all the hopes of all the prophets. So when it's talking about the root of Jesse, we're talking about the one who's going to come out of Jesse. First it's David. And then there's going to be a son of David. That son of David is going to be the ultimate king who heals all things. We're talking about the Messiah. That's what we're talking about here. So the root of Jesse will come. The Messiah will come. Even he who arises. And this is really remarkable from an Old Testament perspective. To rule the Gentiles. Now let's just take a, um, a moment here. So what is a Gentile? What's a Gentile? So for those of you um, who know, generally you're like a Gentile is anyone who's not Jewish. Okay? So 
whenever I grew up reading the Bible, that's how I read it. There's Jews. The Jews are the specially chosen people of God. David is their king. Abraham is their father. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is their father. Out of this came a special ethnicity. God made a special promise to Abraham and then to Moses and then to David. And I know that if you don't believe in the Bible, um, if you believe in the Bible, what I just said to you was like, yeah, yeah, just Sunday school stuff. You already know this stuff. But if you are joining us today and you don't believe in the Bible or you, you didn't grow up with the Bible, that's just really weird, okay? It's really weird such that the philosophers actually have a name for the weirdness, okay? The philosophers and theologians have this, have this terminology that they call the scandal of particularity, okay? The scandal of particularity. And what does that mean? What that means is God chose a very specific people and loved them, and he didn't choose anybody else. That's what it means. It's particular. So if you grew up kind of like in America, and you have this general idea that there's a God, isn't that God just love everybody? And the answer is yes. But does he love them all the same? The answer is no. That is not true. In history, the way God was going to bring salvation to the world was he was very particular. I know this is tough. It's a tough pill. If you are, um, let's say you're Chinese in the year 1000 BC. Sorry, God didn't choose you. If you're, if you're, um, if you're a Babylonian in the year 1000 BC, sorry, God did not choose you. He chose a very specific people. And those are chosen. That's, what, that's how we call it. God chose them. And he chose to love them specially and, and marry them, or what we call covenant to them. And then through them, he would ultimately have a plan to offer his love to all the nations. So if you grew up reading the Bible, and you tend to think of these, you know, these categories, there's Jews and then there's Gentiles. And to this day, whenever people read the passages, you know, like it says Gentiles, okay, well, that's me, I'm not Jewish. Or if you're Jewish, you're like, that's them. You know, goyim, that's the, that's the, I think that's the term, Gentiles. But let me just change this up for you a little bit, okay? Let me just change this. This is kind of like, if you're steeped in the Bible's history, this is what you know. And if you don't know about the Bible's history, it's kind of just strange and offensive, okay? But I want to I change this for you. You know what the word Gentile is in the Bible? So this word that's that's translated here as Gentile, that's correct. But actually, it's kind of (laughs) not. Because if you go into the Greek, and it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. In the Greek, the word there is rejoice, O nations. In the Greek, there's this word ethne. And ethne, plural, is ethnos. And you guys heard this term, multi-ethnic. And multi-ethnic, which is kind of a buzzword today, which means multiple ethnicities. That's what we're talking about. Multiple nations. That's what we're talking about. So in this passage, let me read a little bit differently. Verse 10. It is said, Rejoice, O nations, with his people, with the Jews. That's what it's saying. Verse 11. Praise the Lord, O nations, all you nations. 
and let all the peoples extol him. Verse 12, the root of Jesse, the Messiah will come, even who came to rule all the nations. That's your nation. So, I'm, I'm going to just bracket this question. There's a scandal of particularity. Why God did it quite this way, nobody quite fully understands. I have, I have a, I'll offer you one possible explanation why God did it this way, but it's, it's not like it's exactly laid out. But I'll offer you one, I think, good explanation that the theologians are. Why did God choose one people but not all the rest? Because there's God who has a general love for all people. Like, don't you just think, okay, let, let, let me just use an example today. Um, today, America, we feel very, very terrible about our history of racism. Okay, by the way, I, I, I'm not white. And I wasn't alive during those days when, you know, America treated black people really badly or Native Americans really, really badly, okay? So like, you know, Jim Crow and all that, that's not, like, I didn't perpetrate that. But you know what? I'm American. Those sins are on me. And so I hope you think that. If you think, oh, I didn't do any of that stuff, that's their problem. No, if you're American, that's, that's the we. And so the sins of America about how we were unjust to black America or let's say Native Americans, that's, that's really on us, okay? So all Americans should have a general love for black Americans. I really do think, believe that, okay? So if you look at black Americans and just think they're just like anybody else, then that's crazy because like, in our country, we really seriously did them wrong in a way that wasn't quite the same as just, say, for instance, Vietnamese people, okay? You could argue, you know, we did certain bad things, okay, whatever, whatever. So I don't want to get into those kind of weeds, but if you just look at the big American history, there's a, there should be a general love for black Americans, okay? But you know what? That's not the way God loves us. <laughs> he loves all people with a general love like this, but that's not the kind of love he wants to give. He wants to give a deeper love, a special love. It's kind of like you're in school and maybe, let's say you go to your high school and you're like, well, generally I kind of have love for all my high school classmates, but really, really, I want to fall in love with one girl. And I don't know if you want to fall in love with a girl in high school, but you want to fall in love with one and have a deep, deep relationship, and sacrificially love her. That's God's plan. And you know what the Bible is saying? He's now offering that to all the nations. That's what he's saying. And it had to come first that the Messiah had to come. And until the Messiah had to come, that plan was not going to come about. It wasn't going to happen. So this is what this passage is celebrating here that where God was going to offer this special relationship to all people, it had to happen in a certain way in history. And now the Bible saying, it has happened. That's what it's saying. And that is the age we are living in today. Okay? Now let me go to the latter portion of this passage. I want to take you to the latter portion of this passage. Go to verse 20. This is Paul. Now, you know, this is a, kind of getting at something that you can 
Yeah, you, some of you are like really bright. You're kind of seeing. So does that mean every church should be multi-ethnic? Every church should be multi-ethnic. And the answer I would say is yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. All right? I would say yes, every church, if you're not committed to the, all of the churches moving toward all nations, a church that doesn't care about other nations, that's a bad church. <laughs> okay? That's not a church built on the Bible. That's not committed to the gospel and the plan of God through the gospel. That's just a bad church. But here, this is a really interesting passage. And I want to um, just help you understand this. Listen to this, verse 20. He, he, he lays all this out. This is Paul. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told to him will see. And those who have never heard will understand. That's actually from Isaiah chapter 52, verse 15. And Isaiah, the latter portion of 52, right into 53, is an unbelievably amazing prophecy, which points right to the atoning work of Jesus as the one who will shed his blood for for, for us so that we would be redeemed. And you know what he's, what he's talking about there? He's talking about people who have never seen these nations, they will see and they'll understand. Now let me just back up here. Paul says, I make it my ambition to do it this way. And when you read the Bible, it's interesting. There's Peter, Peter, who is one of the original 12 that Jesus selected, one of the apostles, and people see that Peter is the apostle to the Jews. Okay, that he's prime, he, he does preach to some Gentiles and then dis, um, disciple them, but primarily he works for his ethnic group. He's Jewish, he works with the Jews. Paul's Jewish too, but Paul is not called to the Jews. What he's saying is, I make it my ambition to reach those people over there. People have never heard the gospel. That's who I'm called to reach. Now, Here's what I want to say. I want to say there are some churches where they're called to preach and reach their people group. Okay? So let's not judge them. I'm, re I'm really, I celebrate the churches in, in our city. You know, who's good at reaching Chinese folks? Guess what? Duh, Chinese folks, right? Who's good at reaching Korean folks? Korean folks. Who's good at reaching black folks? Generally, Black people are good at reaching black people, so let's celebrate that. But you know what? Let me ask you this question. Who's good at reaching Vietnamese folks for Jesus? And let me tell you the reality. Nobody's good at it. You know why? Because there's not enough Vietnamese preachers to reach the Vietnamese nation. I'm not, I'm not talking the whole nation. How about just, even the whole nation, but how about just the nation Vietnam, in our city, there's just not enough of them. Nobody's good at it. So you know what there needs to be? There needs to be some churches that have the attitude of Paul that those who have never been told of him will see and those who have never heard of him will understand 
And we're going to go to those people, the na that nation among the nations, and we're going to believe this. They've never heard of him. They do not understand. But we'll preach to them, and we will love them, and Vietnam will be reached. This is Paul's thinking. This is right here in the Bible. And let me tell you right now, this is the revived way. <laughs> there's Peter, who reached his people group, and then there's Paul, who's going to reach the other nations. And, I'm, and you know, there's most churches, they operate in the Peter way. <laughs> the vast majority of churches operate in the Peter way. There needs to be more churches that operate in the Paul way. <laughs> we, in our church, we're absolutely on the Paul way, okay? <laughs> so, you know, one of these days, I would love to present to you our next pastor, and he would be Vietnamese, <laughs> right? Or he might be Iranian. I would love to be the person who retires from this church, and the next senior pastor is from a nation that nobody ever thought has Christians, right? Because that's the Paul way. It's the Romans 15 way. It's the revived way, okay? So I'm laying this down right here. Let's, be, let's have no confusion about this in our church. So, you know, we're going through elder candidacy right now. I, I, I'll just tell you, I'll, I'll just let's be just kind of really honest about with you. I love our elder candidates. I think they're fantastic. I have one beef with Jesus about them. They're all Korean-American, <laughs> right? I was sitting there like, Jesus... Couldn't, you know, like, couldn't we have like one dude, one other dude? Where's the Mexican dude? <laughs> Where's our white dude? Like, but, but you know what? I was like, you know, Jesus, you're Jesus. He's coming. He's coming. We're going to have a Mexican father in this church. We'll have a Vietnamese father in this church. We'll have an Iranian father in this church. Okay? For now, the ones that Jesus is offering us happen to be Korean dudes. But you know what's great about them? They all believe in the Paul way not the Peter way, okay? Let's go to part two. Seek and see the kingdom with eyes of faith. Seek and see the kingdom with eyes of faith. Um, there are a lot of people that love this idea of multi-ethnic community. Some of you, that's how your friends are. I mean, um, I, I am amazed at the millennials and the... Um, the, the Gen Z are even more multi-ethnic than the millennials. That's from what I can tell. I would say that my generation, X-Gen, we're the first multi-ethnic generation. Right? Prior to that, the boomers, it's kind of like white people over here and black people over here. And you Koreans can do church over there. You know, that's kind of the way boomers operated. And we in the X-Gen, you know, like, it was when I went to college, like the white guys wanted to date the Chinese cows, right? And like that was kind of like more normal. It started to become normal. Uh, the Chinese guys didn't have the guts yet to ask the white girls out. So that hadn't like tipped yet, but it was getting there. And then, you know, then I look at the millennials and I'm like, okay, the Chinese millennials, they, they have the guts to ask the white girls out, okay? So like when I look at that kind of thing, that's multi-ethnicity happening in our society. Who you want to marry or who you want to date. And if they are of a different nation than you, I mean, that's deeply multi-ethnic. 
But let me say, everybody operates according to whatever you're used to. Like, I'm not here to try to bag on boomers, but sorry, boomers, like, you guys didn't read the Bible enough. You apparently didn't swallow, you know, Romans chapter 15, because in America, the boomers did church pretty much 99.9% the Peter way, and there weren't enough churches doing it the Paul way. And even today, I feel that trying to do this kind of church, multi-ethnic church, man, it is like trying to push a boulder up a hill. It is a lot easier to do it the Peter way. Way easier. So it doesn't matter what church, you know, you go, like, you know, what group we're talking about. So there's a pastor that's in, I'm in a church planner's cohort right now. One of the pastors that's uh, one of the trainers in this cohort, his name is Ephraim Smith, and he's black. And he pastors out in Sacramento. And he's a couple years older than me, he's ex-gen. And I was amazed to listen to his brother said that he read in the Bible these passages. And as a young man, as a young pastor, he said, he basically said, I, that's it, that's what I want to do. In other words, he read it and said, I'm going to be a Paul type of preacher. And this guy Ephraim, when he preaches, he's compelling. If he just wanted to stand up and lead a black church, that thing would just grow. <laughs> because he knows his people, and his people would say, man, he's good. And it would grow that way. And I've often thought about this, you know, sometimes like, if I want to be a successful pastor, I should like kind of go into a place where there's a bunch of Koreans. San Jose is actually not a great place. Koreans are leaving, Right? You go to a place where there's a bunch of like nerdy Koreans. <laughs> and like that's kind of my kind of peeps. And like they're like, oh, he's like one of those. He's like my kind of Korean, nerdy. And they, then like I could build that kind of church. You know? um, I have uh, known other pastors that were English pastors in Seoul, Korea. So I don't know if you know that this is a thing. There are churches in Seoul, Korea that have 20,000 people. Okay, 20,000 people. They have an English congregation that has like 5,000 people. <laughs> and you know where they get those guys? They get a guy that's kind of like me, that grew up in America, that went to some kind of hotshot school, and then you kind of talk this kind of nerdy talk, and like, like all the hard-charging people in Seoul go, that guy is cool, and I want to learn this stuff in English. I'm going to go to that church. But you know what? That's not my calling. That's not Romans chapter 15. That would be easy. That would be success, success. But that would be a worldly kind of success. It's the kind of thing where you just kind of go into what's popular and what works. But I'm not really interested in that. I want to see what the kingdom of God, and I want to see it with my eyes, but generally, you don't see it with your eyes. You cannot see it with your eyes. You have to see it with a different set of eyes. You have to see it by faith. Because you go look around the world, guess what? Koreans like being with Koreans. <laughs> Chinese people like being with Chinese folks. You know, in, in the Bible, in the Bible, Jesus literally says to his disciples, you're going to go preach to the ends of the earth. Go do it. Then he ascends to heaven. This is in Acts chapter 1. And then 
He just literally told them to go do it. And then you know what? They don't do it. <laughs> you know what they do? Jewish holy huddle. They preach, they preach the gospel to the Jews. It's Peter, actually. And they get immediate mega church. 3,000 people, boom, just like that. And the church starts to thrive in Jerusalem with Jews. Right? With Jews. And then, you know how Jesus is probably sitting there going like, here we go. So, let's get them to do what I told them to do. And you know how he did it? He took one of their best guys, his name is Stephen, and Stephen was murdered by the Jews, throwing rocks at him and stoning him very publicly. And then what do you think happened? Then all the Jewish Christian leaders, they like dispersed to other cities. And finally, the nations were getting preached to. That's how Jesus did it. So, let me just say a little something here. Let's not have one of us get killed first. <laughs> Let's do what Jesus wants us to do. There needs to be some more in the Paul way. And then God said, let's go find a crazy guy. And he picked Paul. This is a man who could see the world not as it is, but as it will be. He could see by faith. He could read these passages in Isaiah chapter 52. And he says, it has happened. The root of Jesse has now come. And it must go out. And so when it says in Isaiah 52, 15, it says here, those who have never been told of him will see. You know what? Let's go see that actually happen. And I would love us for us to be that kind of church. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? So if you're going to be in revive, there's going to be people who are going to step into revive. They're going to go in here and they're going to do this thing. They're going to be like, there's a not enough whatever kind of people here. It may not even always be ethnicity. It could be like a guy comes in here and, you know, he kind of likes Korean girls or something, <laughs> okay? And he's like saying, there's not enough Korean girls here and he doesn't choose our church. And I would say, see you later. We're doing this. If you came here because you're looking for the kind of little, the perks inside of your own ethnicity that you're, you're looking for. And, you know, church is a place that people go do that. That's not what we're doing here. Now, let me just say, I want to give you some encouragement. Um, I want to just show you, Jesus is doing this. Oh, my goodness, he's doing this. But can you see it? You have to look for it. You have to know that Jesus is doing this. That's your faith. And then use your eyes with faith and look for it around you. It's happening. Let me just tell you a few things that I see. And it's just funny, like I think about 15 years ago when I was a young man, I would have never seen these things. I would have just gone about my life in my own little bubble, in my own little like ethnic circles, the things that I'm comfortable doing and liking, and I would never have like, I wouldn't have paid attention to like, are there Iranians in this city? I, you know, did you know that? But I wouldn't have known that and I would not have cared. But, you know, now that I am called to this and that our church is built on this and all these passages, every time you read something in the Bible about Gentiles, you should think multi-ethnic. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's us. That's us, multi-ethnic. 
So every time we go through these passages, I get, I can't help but be excited. I feel as Jesus speaking personally to you. That's you, says, huh? <laughs> this is my game plan. So let me show, tell you some stuff that like I see and I've experienced. So, so this happened so long ago. That time was um, last night. <laughs> So last night, I had an appointment with the pastor. The pastor's a church. It's not in our denomination. It's a Nazarene church. And it's out in the evergreen side of San Jose. His name is um, Greg Gates. And if you meet Greg, he looks white, white. Okay? But if you ask him about his background, he grew up in Brazil. <laughs> He's not white. <laughs> He's Brazilian. <laughs> And he loves soccer. So I started talking to him about football, and he goes, yeah, I watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> and so if, you know, if he was sitting here today and I said that thing about the 49ers, he would have been like, oh, okay, I, I didn't know that happened, right? Because he's not white American. And you know why we were having this appointment? Because there's a conference that's going to happen at the end of April right here in our city. It's called Ignite. And Ignite was spearheaded by a group called iSpectra. And you know who leads iSpectra? Some of you know him. His name is J.P. Samuel. He's a pastor in our, in, in, in our, in our county. And J.P. Samuel is Indian. He's, South Indi he's from South India. And you guys know that he's a dear friend of mine. And so that's how I met Greg Gates. Because J.P.'s trying to like hook me into iSpectra. <laughs> because because uh, the Spectrum Church is called the Spectrum Church because they're a Paul-type preaching church. They believe in Romans 15 all the way down. If you step into the Spectrum Church, you see a bunch of brown-skinned people. But in JP's mind, he's like saying, he's thinking, what do you mean the nations are right here in this city? Why would we not do Romans 15? That's crazy talk. So he, he's so intent to do that that he would spearhead a whole conference to train people to see by faith what Romans 15 is teaching. That's Ignite Conference. So put it on your calendar, April 29th and April 30th. It's going to be right here in San Jose at a church that's run by Koreans. That's where it's going to be hosted. It's at Emmanuel Church. So think about this. The right-hand man, okay, the guy who's spearheading this conference is a Ind South Indian guy, okay? He came to the city because he had a you know, brilliant PhD in molecular chemistry, blah, 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 and he got bored of that, and he decided to go into this. He wanted to do Romans 15-type work, and he became a church planner. And the right-hand man of him for this conference is Greg Gates, who's been in our city for just over a decade, and he grew up in Brazil. And it's going to be held at a Korean-American church, Emmanuel Church. Actually, I know that church very well because that's my dad's church. That's my dad's church. Actually, many, many years ago, I was saved at that church when I was 11 years old. And it is fantastic to me that a church, when I was 11 years old, man, they, they didn't know what white people were doing. They didn't know what black people were doing. They were like Korean all the way down. They were a complete and total, like, Peter-oriented way of doing ministry. That was Emmanuel. But today, Emmanuel is hosting a Paul way of preaching the gospel, the Ignite Conference. That's happening in our city. 
You see that in the city? That's, you, you should see with eyes of faith. It's happening. Romans 15 is happening. And in our church, there's so many ways. Our church is kind of built to be this way. And it's not about like, let's go be hip and cool. And we'll get all these people in here. Everybody think we're successful. You know, the deep, deep way that we get real multi-ethnicity is just to walk as family. It happens in GLF. It happens in discipleship. You know, like, um, you know, my discipleship group has a Mexican-American and a Japanese-American. And you know the fact that they're Mexican and Japanese? It barely comes up. It barely comes up. Because we're not interested in that so much. We're interested in Jesus. That's the deepest love there is. It's the deepest unity there is. It's the greatest multi-ethnicity there is. That's how our church is going to do it. Now let me close. Gospel-powered endurance and hope for his kingdom come. Now why am I saying it this way? Why do I want to close this way? I want to encourage you toward endurance. If you're going to endure in seeking multi-ethnicity, it's going to be easy to get discouraged. So, you know, this could like, it's actually could take a whole nother sermon, but I just want to just, just say this. You know why most people don't do it? Because every ethnicity dislikes something about every other ethnicity. That's how it is. Okay? That's how it is. Everybody's so mad at white people. I'm, I'm like, what, what do you mean? White people aren't any different than Jews or any different than Chinese or any different than Korean. Everybody stinks at cross-cultural unity. Everybody. So you're in a certain ethnicity and you meet these other set of people and you're just like, man, I hate their food. You don't actually say that out loud because that would be like very rude and bad. You're like, man, I don't like their food. And so, you know, um, I grew up with this. You know, I meet white Americans, and as soon as they get a whiff of kimchi, they're just like running for the hills, okay? And then every now and then you meet a, a really odd white American, they're like, what is that? And they get really excited, and they get, they get like, and then they get attracted, and they're like, this white dude is totally weird, right? And, and that's relatively easy. That's relatively easy. It's relatively easy. It's food. But I don't know if you know this, the prior passages in Romans, you know what it's talking about? It's talking about food. Because you know why it's doing that? Because Paul says, we are going to be a multi-ethnic family. It's Jesus' way. And in order to have a multi-ethnic family, you must learn to love people that offend you. You must learn to love people that are really kind of out there for you. And in order to do that, you have to have a gigantic hope and you must endure to love them. If your love is only a good, good intentions and feelings, you will not make it. Okay, There's no way you can make it. I don't know if you know this, but a lot of cross-ethnic marriages, they do poorly. And they marry each other. And they married each other because they married each other and then they find out, what? I didn't know why people were like that. And they're like, what? I didn't know Chinese people were like that. And then they fight and they married each other. 
But how about if we are family together? How about if we do church together? It's not easy. But I want to offer you the pathway that it can be done. And not it can be done, it will be done. Right? So this is Romans chapter 15. It's a passage like a little bit before all the stuff that we preached about. And here's what it says, all right? 15 verse 1. And a lot of people, when they think about Romans, they think about all these famous theological discourses in Romans, but they don't think that it ends with this profound discussion about Jews and Gentiles. In other words, Jews with the nations. Every church, we just want to do it the Jewish way. So when Koreans just want to do Korean church, you know what? We're just being just like the Jews. White people, so we're going to do white people our white people way, and you know we're not going to be very great including other people. That's just like doing it the Jewish way. But the end of the book of Romans is like, that's not how we do it. In Rome, I don't want you to do it that way. And here's, here's what he says. 15 verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Now let me just pause there for a second. That sounds like just a really great and nice ideal way of living, right? But that's not all Paul is saying. Paul is saying this. Some of you are Jewish. You grew up with the Bible. You know the right morality. But someone is going to walk into the church and that person used to sleep with prostitutes and had lot this kind of gross morality and he's going to look really strange. Right? They, like these people who go into the temple, they pierce their bodies and do all this weird stuff and they're going to walk in and they know nothing of the Bible and they don't know how to live inside of the habits and practices of living in the gospel. So you who are Jewish and you know the Bible, you're going to get a weaker brother who walks in who now believes in Jesus, but the way they look, the way they're, the way they're used to doing food, their old sexual habits... It's going to be offensive to you. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. And he's saying, we have an obligation to bear with them, not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. And then this is how, how I want us to end. Here's the reason. The reason is because, you know, you're a good Christian. That's how you should behave, right? No. Because if he did that, he would just be putting legalism and guilt and duty and obligation on you. Instead, you know what he offers as to why we should be this way? The gospel. Verse 3. For Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with all these other nations in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice, one voice, one family, glorify God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's close our message this way. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. 
This is a word about Jesus. So let me close this way. Jesus comes from a land. It's called heaven. And in that land, they have a culture. And it is a beautiful and wonderful culture. It's loving, it's merciful, perfect justice. And then Jesus came into a world and a city for the nations. Many other cultures, the ethnos, with all these other people. And you know what? Compared to him, compared to them, they were all terrible. <laughs> Every single one of their cultures was basically like garbage compared to the culture he came from. And you know what's crazy? Every single one of them think their culture is the best. <laughs> and every single one of them loved living inside their culture, and they loved dogging and looking down upon all the other cultures. They're like, well, these people we like because, you know, because they're kind of like us. But these people, psst, psst, you know, and in our house, we say, you, you can marry one of those folks, but no way you can't marry one of those folks. And every other people is like that, and they do not measure up to the culture of heaven. So let me say this again. The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. This is what it means in the context of this multi-ethnicity. Some of you just think that you're a bad person and there's sins, and you think of yourself in this kind of abstract, individualistic way. But you know what? Lots of people have a reproach on you. You know what a reproach is? They don't like you. <laughs> they see something that they don't like about you. And we all know that the world doesn't have the pure standards of heaven or God. You know what we have? We have our own culture standards. And you know what we use on everybody else? We judge everybody else on our own culture's standards. So let's just, you know, I won't call out other, I'll just call out mine. East Asians, Koreans and Chinese and Japanese, you know what we like? We like people who study really hard <laughs> and gun for the best schools. And we're like, those are cool people. And if they don't do that, then what do we, in our culture, we have a reproach on them. That's the Korean way. And then we have a reproach on others who are Korean that don't do it that way either, right? It's the Korean way. So everybody, you go out into the world, you meet all these other ethnicities, and on their standards, they have a reproach. They have something where they look down upon you. But in the church, you meet Christ. And you know what he said? The reproach which fell on you goes to me. Every way that we fail other people, every way we don't measure up, Jesus said, all those reproaches come to me. And on you, you only get my acceptance. You get my deep love. You get the ways that even though I'm the strongest person ever because I come from the best culture and you're all weak and terrible compared to my culture and where I'm from, I will, I will endure and I will not please myself, but I will build you up. The cross is the ultimate picture where Jesus took all the reproach of all the nations on him so that he can offer you his love and grace and mercy and build you up, not himself. 
And if you would see that and believe that, and you understand that Jesus first did that for you, you can begin to do that for the ethnic neighbors around you that you wouldn't normally even see, let alone love. And then revive could be a Romans 15 type of church. Can you believe that? Please receive that. Let's pray. Lord, in America today, everybody wants quote-unquote success and we tend to be short-term oriented and we're impatient. And it's easier to do mono-ethnic church, not multi-ethnic church. But thank you, Lord, in our city there are people like Greg Gates and Emmanuel Church and J.P. Samuel and Lord, I um, hope that one day when I'm old, I would say that which I saw by faith in Romans chapter 15 has become sight. I've seen this. It has exploded forth and revived church. I pray that everyone who's heard this word, especially members of this church, would take that word deeply into their heart. And we look forward to the day when we have Iranian elders <laughs> And we have Mexican spiritual mothers. And we would be a family, a Romans 15 type of family. And we would endure to love each other with a profound love. Because you, Lord Jesus, the reproaches which fell on us, you said what you will take upon you. So that all your rewards and all your praise and all your goodness could come to us. We could go live in your kingdom come. May your kingdom come, Lord Jesus. May your kingdom come to Silicon Valley and it start to become visible. And one of the most profound ways it would be visible is that we would be a multi-ethnic, gospel-centered church in the Romans 15 way. You've got to say yes to this, Lord Jesus. When I pray for this, this isn't just easy talk. This is your word. We agree with your word and now encourage us and help us to live in it and when we glorify and honor you, all of it will go to you because only, this could only come from you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.